Hey guys, John here. I just want to talk about something for a minute. We actually have a Patreon up right now in full swing, and that is our $5 a month plan. It's called Movie Lovers Classics. It covers bonus episodes, reviewing classic movies like you're about to listen to right now with the uh, little Caesar review that we just did, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, shoutouts on the main uh, feed, early access to episodes, and then we also have all-access documentary series review, which is $10 a month. And that includes bonus episodes, Eli Roth's History of Horror, early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, shout-outs on the main feed as well. And then that also includes our classic uh, movie reviews as well. And then our $20 a month plan is our VIP movie lover. And that also includes bonus episodes, classic movie reviews, interviews with independent actors, actresses, directors, and comic book writers, and it also includes movie lovers documentaries and early access to episodes, monthly newsletters, free digital movies, and shoutouts on the main feed as well. Go ahead, subscribe to the Patreon. We hope that we'll see you there, and always until next time, guys, bye-bye. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. This is your host, as always, from Movie Lovers Unite, John DiGorio, and I just want to sit, talk about something real quick, and that is Audible. What is Audible? I'm so glad that you guys asked. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers like Anne Rice, Stephen King, the list just goes on. Their whole entire catalog, when it comes down to audiobooks, is just fantastic. If you're on on the road and everything and you want an audiobook and you want to download it fast, go ahead, go to Audible. You're not going to regret it. They actually have a trial right now that you guys can actually jump on. You can actually go on ahead, go to the link, and it'll bring you up to that trial. And a matter of fact, every month, members actually get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and access to Daily News Digest from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Another thing too guys, that's not all they have. They also have they also have finish if you actually want to go ahead and do some things to actually better yourself for 2021, they have stuff for that too. Like finishing more books or becoming a better parent, leader or a person. How to books, which is something that everybody seems to grab onto a lot lately and everything else. So if you guys are actually looking for something to maybe better yourself for 2021, go on ahead, check out those books as well. They have a big catalog. You guys won't regret it. Go ahead, click on the link below in the description notes. Go on ahead. You guys won't regret it. Sign up for that trial period. And always until next time, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the show. And God bless. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. I'm joined by my good friend, Tamika. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm not used to you. As, okay. Hey, I'm Tamika. Okay. How are you? <laughs> so, yeah, I wanted to do something a little different. But anyway, oh. this, this is actually our Patreon review for Caesar. So, those of you who do not know this or anything like that, we actually have a Patreon. The Patreon is actually in the show notes below. If you guys want to subscribe to our Patreon, just hit the link and everything and pick out the right tier that's actually best for you and what is best for you. Another thing, too, is if you guys are listening to this on the audio-only podcast and everything, you guys are going to get this in a couple of days. Mm. For everybody right now, you guys are actually going to get a little bit of a preview of what we're doing and everything for our Patreon. So without further ado, let's go on and do this. So this is going to be for our classic movies for the Patreon that we're doing. This is for the $5 tier. And this movie is called Little Caesar. This movie came out in 1938. It actually follows this gangster type of guy. And as a matter of fact, his name is actually Rico Bandello, who's actually played by Edward G. Uh, G. Robinson. And this is a classic movie. This is a movie that I've seen a couple of times from time to time where I see it on TV and everything. It just never really captures my eye, captured my eyes or anything like that back when I was young or anything like that. So... You guys can actually watch this film on YouTube for free. So if you guys want to see this movie, you guys can. This movie is actually really good. I really love the whole entire aspect where you have his friend who's actually trying not to be a gangster or anything like that, trying to lead the gangster lifestyle. And, of course, you also have Rico who doesn't even want him to be getting out of this whole entire uh, deal or at all 
any way. Because Rico is pretty much this guy who's set on being a gangster. While his friend, Joe, who's actually trying to get out of being a gangster, trying to get out of that lifestyle, he wants to go and settle down with uh, with this girl that he actually fell in love with. And pretty much Rico wants him to go on ahead and be a gangster. He can't be halfway in or halfway out. He has to be all the way in. So I know this is also your first time viewing this movie. So what did you think about it? I thought it was pretty good. I like the opening scene with the Bible verse that Matthew, was that 26? 52? Yeah, Matthew 26. Yeah, uh, where it was basically saying, you know, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Um, right. So I thought that was a really good intro and a good uh, foreshadowing into what we would have to look forward to in the movie. Definitely. And you can definitely tell that that's exactly what they're going to going towards and everything too. That's a great little metaphor. Yeah. Especially with that Bible verse. And I think actually it sets up really well for that mm -hmm. scene. And uh, like I said, um, Joe uh, Masarara, uh, I think that's actually how you say his last name, the character's name. But anyways, like I said, he wants to be out of that gangster lifestyle. Rico is actually the one who is pushing to actually get into this gangster lifestyle even more. And what winds up happening is this. There's this division between the both of them. They go to another city, another town, and Rico is actually trying to get his stripes pretty much, where he actually goes up to this other gangster and he's like, look, I want to, I want in, I want all the way in. Then he starts introducing the the other gangster and everything starts introducing him to all these other gangsters and everything goes, well, let's meet the boys. So he ends up meeting everybody else. And the next thing you know, it, he winds up becoming little Caesar mm. in this film. And I definitely love the setup for that because at first, you know, I liked how the main gangster's like, well, what can I use you for? What can you do? Because also, too, there's also a height differential with all the other guys, though, too, because he is a small guy. <laughs> and he has, like, a Napoleon kind of a uh, complex as well. And, <laughs> and not only that, but there's also the other factor, too, that I also see a little bit of Al Capone in him mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Even though that's also another thing, too, that I want to mention. It's not proven that this film is actually based off of Al Capone or anything like that. It's just that his mannerisms actually shows that he has a little bit of alcohol, Al Capone in him. But what did you what do you think about that setup where, you know, he goes into this gangster's place and he goes, hey, look, I want to work for you. Then the gangster's like, well, what can I use you for? The boss is like, what can I use you for? Um, and then, right. Yeah. No. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, actually, going back to that, um, the first scene where it's the friend and Rico talking about, like you said, one wants to get out the lifestyle, one wants in. Um, I noticed something interesting about Rico. He was talking about all his aspirations, like being a gangster, and he kept repeating, be somebody, I want to be somebody. You know, so you, you can see that desperation to want to be noticed and to want to just be someone important and that thirst for power. So I I think that leading up to just him wanting to prove himself. And like you said, people are like, what can I use you for? Like basically prove your worth. Like right. what, why should we let you into our game basically? Um, exactly. so, yeah, throughout the whole film, I thought that's what Rico was. He was just like this insecure uh, Napoleon complex man that's just looking to be um, appreciated and wanted and basically, like he said, be somebody. Right. And matter of fact, that's actually too uh, where he means Diamond Pete, where they're actually talking about Diamond Pete at the very beginning of the film, though, too. And the expectations of, like you said, but Rico, he want, about the expectations that he actually wants to be, a way that he actually wants to be remembered. His yeah. friend Joe is like, well, you're going to be remembered for that, being a gangster. Mm -hmm. What He's basically being the smart friend here. He's like, what, what, what's there to remember you by? You're going to be six feet under pretty much. 
Yeah. And, and I'm going to be still living because I'm out of this lifestyle because of the fact what I want is I want to settle down. I want a wife. I want kids. I want to go back to my dancing, do, going dancing. I don't want any part of being a gangster anymore. And Rico actually has this little uh, Tony Montana kind of uh, style thing of as well, where he's like, well, he's from, he's in rags right now. Yes. But he's looking, he's even saying this too, because he goes, what does this guy have that I don't have? And it's uh -huh. the same type of thing that Tony Montana did in the 1980s uh, Scarface movie and everything, too. It's like, okay, what does – he goes, I can do the same things that this guy does. What is he doing different that I'm not doing uh -huh. and everything? So I definitely love that from that aspect. Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, his friends already figured it out. He goes, you don't have anything. You have zero. You have nothing. Yeah. So, so they decide to go to another uh, city. And this is where he says this where things break big is basically what he says, what Rico says. And like I said, when they arrived at the uh on pretty much Rico wastes no time and joins a gang run by Sam uh Vittori. It's actually mm -hmm. the uh the main gangster's name is Sam Vittori. And that's when Sam winds up saying, Well, what can I use you for? He's actually met with um some of the other gangsters and everything. And, you know, I definitely love the setup for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I too like the setup where, where he's introduced, like you said, to the gang and you can see the camera pan on each member of the gang. And we can see this technique in all of our modern gangster movies, especially Scorsese. Where they're like, you know, you got Jimmy Two Toes, and then he's like, "What's up? How you doing?" And then you pan over, and you got Meatball Charlie. Oh, oh Meatballs, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> get it together. Don't break, John. Don't break from the Patreon. <laughs> Don't break. <laughs> I'm just saying, like you can see that that um, movie has inspired those right. um, directors like scorsese right. and you know everyone else right <laughs> i can definitely tell that they they actually have that little bit of meatball charlie. Hashtag meatball charlie. <laughs> <laughs> hey what's the meatball, meatball but, uh, yo what's up <laughs> <laughs> but you know i definitely love that and then of course they also tell rico to go sit outside and everything because don't forget he also was a very trigger happy person though too mm -hmm. and then he's Just quick like to the anger yeah. yep he's very quick to anger don't, he doesn't care he wants to get his point across no matter what he actually kills I think the uh, the police commissioner as well when it wasn't supposed to kill him he did some off the wall stuff and then at that time that's when the boss is like what the hell did you do pretty much you just killed the police commissioner when we told you not to be killing anybody. But Rico's there to actually prove a point that he is in it for the long haul. And sending a message over to the boss saying, yeah, you didn't want me to kill him. But at the same time, I need to stand my stance as well and put my stamp on this. Because I'm the new guy here. I need to show that I mean business as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and it goes back to that question they asked what can we use you for like to me i get into the character's head i would assume that the character still has that in his head echoing like what can they use me for what can they use me for i have to prove myself and that's where this drive comes from of doing all these um erratic things like shooting commissioners and doing stuff the boss is supposed to do like first um, if I was his character, first, I would try to prove my worth. And then second, I would try to see how I can take the big boss's job so I can be the top boss and the top fish or whatever you want to insert into that. Right. I mean, that's that's what me getting into the character Rico's head, I assume that's what he feels. That's what I think I, he feels as well, to be honest with you. And then also, too, you also, like I said, we mentioned Joe and everything, but at that point, too, while that's going on, you have another thing going on with Joe. Joey actually gets a job 
as a dancer and everything. And that's when he falls in love with uh, Glenda Farrell and falls in yeah. love with him within a minute of actual the runtime of the film, <laughs> which is kind of fast paced. If you actually think about it, kind of what we have now compare that to now, because usually that takes a while for it to actually set up. But back then that's actually how they actually did it. And they didn't make like two hour long movies either. So, so within a minute of the actual runtime, he winds up falling in love with her. He winds up falling in love with her, and they embrace passionately. She discovers his gun and asks him to give up <laughs> the gangster life. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he discovers his gun. Yeah, she's like, oh, Johnny, what is that in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, nothing. Oh, this, this is my gun. <laughs> but forget you saw it. She's like, oh, no. I don't know why I'm doing Mae West. She wasn't in this movie. But I'm just telling you. She's like, oh, Johnny, what's in your pocket? Oh, you know. Right. And it's kind of like, I remember watching, it kind of reminds me of Helen from Goodfellas when Ray Loretta's character, Henry, winds up beating the hell out of somebody with the gun. And she said, and she was on this high where she was like actually turned on by it. Mm-hmm. With her, on the other hand, she wasn't turned on by it. She was kind of threatened with it. It was like, hmm. what are you doing with this gun? What are you doing with your life is basically what she's asking him. Hmm. So well, it didn't really go into her story, but I'm just going to jump into a character again. I assume that maybe she dated these guys before and she saw what that lifestyle would be like. Or she, maybe she almost got killed. And she was like, I don't want no more parts of this. Right. That's what that's I'm thinking, just, though, too. That's my projection onto the character. Well, it makes sense, though, because think about it. Everybody who hangs out at the Peacock, which is actually the place that that Joey is actually dancing at and everything, you know, it's actually very clear that he can actually, she might actually be a, a confronted with one of the gangsters or whatever, because that's where they actually hang out at. Mm -hmm. It's also using the front as well. So there's that uh, aspect as well. So yeah, it could be the fact that she's just sick and tired of dating gangsters. She's seen it before. She wants what's best for Joe. There's just something different about him because they both share the same interest and they're also in love together and things like that. So there's that. And she just wants the best for him. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. Rico is trying to go on ahead and pull him back in. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, but, it's so many similarities, John, with, like you can see so many inspirations in this film, like mm -hmm. Scarface, like when Rico actually makes it and he's like his his whole demeanor changes. Like he doesn't like slunk over his his chest is out, right? right. And his his suits are open and he's like just bravado and he has cigars and he's like, Look where I am, <laughs> you know, and you see right. his apartment and and it's very Tony Montana, like you said. And there was a scene, I'm jumping ahead, but there was a scene where he was at the Friendship Club. It's, it right. was type of, looked like a Friar Club to me. But that scene reminded me of um, the Irishman for some reason, I don't know. Very Jimmy Hoffa-ish. It does have a Jimmy Hoffa yeah. type of flavor to it, if you yeah. actually think about it. Yeah, but yeah, I can definitely see where you actually picked that up from, though, too, because it's very quick to actually pick up on that. So that's a good mm -hmm. call on that. Um, and yeah, Rico's um, suit is actually opened up. He's puffed up on his own ego and stuff like that as well, to where he thinks that he's untouchable, where he thinks that he's in control of it. But one thing he doesn't do, though, that Tony did was Tony killed Frank, which is the boss. So he can take over. Rico never did that. He still was under the boss. Mm. Regardless of anything. And he did disobey him whenever he was trying to say. Because remember the agreement was. You're not going to split up my, the money that you make. I'm going to split it up for you. You And I tell you what, you can, what your take is going to be. He did one thing. Rico did one thing against him though. He did take. Remember when he said this. From the cut. He said, no, I'm going to split this up my way because I'm the one who earned this money, not you. This is from my deal. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to give you a piece of it, but it's going to be split down my way. 
So he disobeyed the boss, but at the same time, though, he also was the boss. I believe was actually scared of him in a sense because he was actually the muscle that he needs. So he got shaken down just a little bit and everything too. But one thing that uh, he did was one thing that Rico did was he did share his share with the boss and everything, even though he didn't have any part of that whole entire thing that operation that Rico did. Mm, so there was yeah. a little bit of respect there. Yeah, it, it's a constant power struggle between the two. So I know in one scene, the uh, boss was saying, I'm the boss here. You know, he constantly had to tell Rico, I'm the boss here. You know, right. like two lions establishing dominance over each other in the field. And, you know, you constantly have to, if you're in that position where you are the, the top guy, like all the Capones and the the famous names we know and the Gaudis and everything else, right. you, it, it must be really difficult to keep that position of leadership because there's always going to be that one person, that one Rico, <laughs> that's right. going to implement your, your leadership role. And you, you, in front of all your men, have to just constantly say, no, I'm the boss here. You don't cross me. And right. in the films, the modern gangster films we have today, we see that. But the bosses basically do it through much more violent means. Right. You know, maybe if somebody disobeyed an order, you don't say, hey, I'm the boss. Or they do it one or two times. You have to just off them, basically. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. The perfect example is Tony, uh, Tony Soprano, though, as well. Where Richie, who gets out of prison, who thinks that he actually was owed money to for being in jail, and he's just stuck in this time thinking that something is owed to him. And Tony has to remember, remind him, he goes, I'm the, this is what he says, he goes, I'm the fucking boss of this family mm-hmm. and everything, not you. You need us pay, uh, pay respect. So yeah. then Richie said, you know what that means? That means that I need to go fuck myself, is mm-hmm. what it means. So Richie does not like being told what to do. He's still stuck in those 1970s time, times period and stuff like that, where he thinks something's actually owed to him, especially for the amount of time that he actually was in prison. And so therefore he thought that Tony actually owed something to him, but he didn't. And then that was just something that I I got out of this whole thing as well. And like you said, uh, after one or two times of uh, someone like that, you have to off him. He has to disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they're going to keep coming, um, challenging your leadership position, and you're in front of your men. And every time they challenge that position, your men are going to look at you like, you're weak. Who do we follow? Because right. they're, they're followers and then they're leaders. So, exactly. You know. But yeah, the um, like I said, the gangster, the boss is named Diamond Pete Montana. So... <laughs> Oh, wait, that's the one where um, Rico, you remember when they told Rico to wait outside? Yeah, that's the one I was referring to. And yeah, he had that diamond pinky, pinky ring. Yeah. And I noticed that Rico looked at him when he, when the boss kind of came to him and was chastising him. And yeah. Rico had his chest puffed out, but then it, he kind of like went down a little bit when he saw like the, the ring on his finger. Right. And all these rings and the jewels and everything else. And he was like, yes, boss. You know? Right. Because then realized also, he wasn't taking down a knot just to respect yeah. him. But also I saw like a um like something that he wanted to possess for himself. Right. Like he saw all that as power. He's like, huh, mm-hmm. okay, this guy is the guy that has the power. This is clearly the leader. I want what he has. Now, I want those possessions that are on right. his fingers. Like all of that is symbol to me that this is what you have to have for power. This is a symbol to show that this guy is the leader. Exactly. And that's somebody, what somebody. He's a somebody. So and that's exactly what I was thinking though, too. Because it shows a position of power with the pinky ring. He was just fascinated with it. Um, then of course you have at the Valatori's club, the uh, the front of the gang plans a robbery of the bronze peacock, 
and we see that Rico is getting more and more ambitious. Tony the River says that he is scared, uh, that he's scared and is uh, cured by Rico turning yellow. Joe arrives late, and upon learning that the gang is to rob the bronze peacock, he uh, he pleads with Rico to get him out. A pained Rico replies, you're going to be in on this, and you'll like it. Mm. So, what did you think of that? Hmm. That he'll be in on it and like it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like some yellow. Yeah, yeah. Some peer pressure going on there. And um, I, I know I keep saying this, but in our modern films, <laughs> I always see that the the guy a guy's position is challenged. Like they're always trying to say, uh, "What are you yellow? What are you chicken?" So anytime that that happens, uh, what do you expect a character to do besides just um, just prove their prove themselves in a sense? They have to. I mean, you know. And yeah. My um I I I just think that this film is really good and and then I know it goes it's uh on reflection on just the prohibition. You know, how prohibition um spawned these gangster type men and all these gangster movies were just reflecting on the times of prohibition um but deep down in the core of the film there is just a power struggle there's wanting to be accepted there's um just wanting to do better for yourself it may not be in the best uh, means but you know exactly it may not be in the best means or anything like that but it certainly <laughs> does spark up something you know yeah and then this also too it also sparks up the robbery when the robbery occurs and joe acts out the part at the peacock um of the peacock as well when it's rubbed successfully but as they are turning to leave robin necessarily shoots the crime commissioner Joe is noticeably shaken, and Olga tries once again to turn him from the gang. So mm. Olga once again tries to turn Joe, uh, Joe away from the gang and that lifestyle. So it's yeah. twice that she tries to turn him away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But like the theme of the, like the beginning of the film says, you if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And I think Rico... No matter how many times that it was brought to him, like you need to turn away, he still chased the sword down until he ultimately perished in the end. Right. And that's exactly what he did. He actually, basically, he winded up, his own ego got the best of him. Yeah. That he's untouchable. Just mm -hmm. like Tony. Tony thought he was untouchable, couldn't be replaced. Yeah. And everything, and we saw the outcome of that, and it's the same outcome that um, with Rico. Rico went through the same stages as Tony did, and everything, and it didn't work out so well for him. But I'm just glad that Joe has somebody and everything that loves him enough to say, Hey, look, you know, I love you, I do not want this for you. You need to get out of this whole entire situation that you're in, and everything. and turn away from Rico. And then before you know it, he does turn away from Rico and he winds up just being with her. He's just a dancer. He doesn't want anything to do with Rico or anything like that. He's more scared of Rico than anything. Mm -hmm. because, of, um, how, because he knows the power that Rico has. How odd is it to that somebody leaves a lifestyle like this to be a dancer? I don't think I have seen this. <laughs> <laughs> before that somebody wants right. to just leave the lifestyle and just be like Channing Tatum. <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm just going to dance my life away. I'm not going to shoot people anymore. 
I, I would like to see this recreated again in modern time. Me too. I would like to. I'm kind of curious of what they would actually do with it. But not only that, but it's kind of weird that somebody actually has a passion for dancing because that's yeah. also frowned upon in the gangster lifestyle. And that's also yeah. something. That's also something too that what they actually mentioned in the Sopranos was the uh, Richie's uh, nephew wanted to be a dancer, so he automatically thought that he was a nuke, which is actually gay, mm. and. So that was actually frowned upon. And I, I was wondering, like, how deep was Joe in to where he can actually get out of that lifestyle and everything as well? Because it's like, you can't, here's the thing, you cannot get out of that lifestyle. Once you're in, you're in that thing. So yeah. it makes me kind of curious, like, maybe he wasn't all the way in at that time and basically mm -hmm. just gave Rico all the credit for it so that way he would be, so that way he can actually exit out if he wanted to exit out of that lifestyle. Yeah, I wonder that too, because I don't really see anybody saying, hi guys, I, you know, I had a good run. I don't think I want to do this anymore. Thanks. Right. No. <laughs> they gonna it, was up at, uh, it was nice doing that heist job at the bank, but you know. Um, yeah, I know I keep 20 guys, now, so I'm good. but now I would like to be a dancer. I, I think yeah. I found my true calling to be a dancer. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's like blood in, blood out, you know. Exactly. And then Tony also attempts to get rid of the car, and but is too nervous and crashes it. Back at the hideout, Rico splits the money his way and takes over control of the gang from Bellatori. The cops come, and the gang is questioned about the crash getaway car. Tony defaults from the gang, and Rico shoots him down on the steps and the steps of the church before. And everything, and so that's what we actually see too. He actually shoots, uh, shoots Tony down. Mm. Wow. At the, uh, yeah. And then sometime we don't even know how long the time actually passes. All we know is there is some time that actually passes, because usually they wind up saying three months later, six months later, a year later. With this film, they don't even tell us how long time has actually passed. We just know that time has passed. And Rico is giving a banquet in his honor, just like Diamond Pete had. His picture is taken by the tabloids, and he is given a short, awkward speech. The cops show up, but they have nothing. The headline the next day is in reference to the banquet, and Joe overhears in Lorch talk about the killing of Rico, and when they find him, they won't uh, be no banquet that Rico Rico get gets, and it will be awake. He telephones Rico about the threat to his uh, uh to his life. Mm. So some stuff winds up going there. Yeah, uh, I, I I was just reading about um that the success of this film made Hollywood want to create 50 more. <laughs> I can see that, <laughs> though. The same type. That explains how we got our Godfathers, our Goodfellas, our mm -hmm. Sopranos. It explains it yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. But the first, I believe, gangster film is called The Black Hand. It came out in yeah. 1906. Because uh, I was just wondering it in my head, like, what's the first gangster film of, of this type but it you know this came out in what 1930s 1932 30 something 36 so, of them yeah yeah 1938 is when we came out and it's is during the great depression too um so i was the way this film came out was during the Great Depression, and with the Great Depression, you have desperation, <laughs> and exactly. the heroes aren't the government officials, but they they are the small town people or the those who um, want to aspire to be bigger than life. So right. I think that this film reflects the time of the Great Depression as well. You can definitely tell the there is a hero. Yeah. 
you can definitely tell that that is kind of like the Great Depression thing, especially when you look at the cots towards the end of it, oh, yeah. whenever Rico's actually hiding out in this rundown hotel, even though the price is like 39 cents to stay in, in that hotel. It's just a what? Right? I wonder what food service was like. <laughs> oh, man. I want to stay in the Hyatt for 39 cents. Right? But it's actually a rundown hotel, though, that he actually stays in, though. So I don't think the food yeah. will be that great. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you, it's interesting to see his decline, you know, right. from having like a big, uh, beautiful apartment to being in some rundown 39 cent hotel, probably right. eating um, what mayo sandwiches. I don't know. Probably I'm thinking like the lowest sandwich you can eat when <laughs> 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 you're living in a rundown hotel. <laughs> But and also, you have, too, you have steak and then you go to mayo sandwiches, like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I could just see maybe bread and butter or something like that. Yeah, there you go, just bread like, and butter. <laughs> you know, something that's not even kosher. Uh, but like I said, some time passes, and that's whenever he winds up, uh, Rico uh, winds up shooting his boss. And everything. So at that time, he does shoot his boss and does take over, but it takes a little bit of a setup to actually get there for him to actually set to get that part set up. Mm -hmm. So that's when Rico does become the boss. So then after that, Rico seems uh, oblivious to the danger. He up, he is next shown buying a ten ten newspapers and his picture on the cover and then walking down the street with them in broad daylight with no protection and a car speeds by and, sh uh, and shots are heard. Rico is wounded in the arm and is, def is definitely shouts that they are bad shots. After hearing about Joe, Joe calls, he vows to pay Arnie back for the wound. Mm. So there's that. So once again, Rico was doing his thing, having yeah. a bunch of newspapers and everything, showing that he's big and bad. He runs the city. He runs this town. Nobody else does. He runs the streets. Mm -hmm. And it's also something that Christopher Montesanti does in The Sopranos, where he's actually trying to make a name for himself, and everybody's just ignoring him. He got rid of a couple of people for Tony. Nobody's mentioning Christopher at all. Then finally... On one of the episodes, he actually is mentioned in the newspaper. Next thing you know, Christopher takes all the newspapers and everything and puts it in the car and goes and go, drives away because he actually got the recognition that he wants. Yeah, it reminds me, too, of Gotti, how mm. he would just like, you know, I have no idea. I just went like, I just went into full cat mode. I was like, what was that? Something failed. <laughs> But um, yeah, I'm back. Sorry. Uh, it reminds me of Gotti, where John Gotti was walking down the streets, and he the cops were surveying surveying him, and he's just walking down the street shopping. He's waving, "Hey, how you doing? I'm John Gotti. What's up? Woo woo! I'm in the house, y'all. You know, <laughs> like guys, Rolex is like, yo, bling bling. What's up? Hey, woo woo! All right. And then it's like, um. The Goodfellas, you know, mm -hmm. Robert De Niro's character, he's like knocked on the door of the FBI. He's like, Hey, fellas, let's take a ride. <laughs> yeah, he knock, knocks on the car door. Yeah, he goes, Hey, come on, come on, assholes, let's go. Hey, hey, come on, take a ride, you pigs. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not Robert De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't do a good Robert De Niro impression, I don't either. <laughs> But yeah, um, the next day and everything too, this is also, when once he says that he's going to pay Arnie back for the wound, in the next scene, he accomplishes it by forcing Arnie out of town and taking over his business. The next day, he dresses up to meet the new boss. Big Boy is the name of this boss. <laughs> All I can think of is like the Big Boy restaurant that they used to have that also um, powers with them. Oh, okay. Well, I thought I thought about Outcast. I'm like, big boy. Oh, snap! You move. Okay. But his new boss, big boy. Now that he has displaced Arnie, 
walking around Big Boy's house, Rico's love of the material of materials things is obvious. But he can't appreciate them, admiring a golden frame, but not the more valuable painting and flickering cigar ash onto an expensive rug. Big Boy takes him in and offers him Pete Montana's territory. Hmm. Rico shakes his hand and they seal the deal. Mm. Wow. So now, yeah, so now Rico has now Pete's territory. So, and also the respect of Big Boy as well. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't feel intimidated by that name. <laughs> All I can think is, "Hey, big boy, what's going on?" <laughs> My but, big boy, I run this joint. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Man, I wonder that's you know in those films they talk like that. Right. I'm gonna run this joint. See. And then I'm gonna take this guy out. Then I'm gonna take that guy out. See, you know, you see, yeah, that cadence, like it's like a up and down. Oh man, like who who came up with that? Like, because I've seen that so many films, and it's been spoofed on so many. I I just want to know who. Well, even in the Batman movie with Penguin, it was like that though too. (laughs) Right. So <laughs> it has that little nostalgia feel though to it too back in those yeah. days. But I could see the gangster going, we don't talk like that. No. Wait, was that James Catney? I think James Catney did that. I think maybe yeah. that's and I'm gonna go there, see? And then I'm gonna take them out. See? Yeah. See, sweetheart, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go on ahead, I'm gonna go to the bar, and then after that, you see, you see, sweetheart, and then after that, I'm gonna go ahead and kiss you. Yeah. And then after that, nah, nah, nah. Okay. I'm gonna take the territory, Tony. And you know what, Tony? I'm gonna punch him in the head. Nah. And it's gonna be mine. The one will be mine. Yeah. I'm gonna get territory, you see? I'm gonna go get that territory right there. I'm gonna get your biggest diamond ring. I'm gonna tie a moon around. Around, yes. I'll lasso around the moon over there, and after that, I'm going to bring it back to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. See? And then I'm going to get that broad, and I'm going to take it home. See? Man. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> like that. That's our impression of James Catney, I guess. <laughs> okay. Let's. Now that we lost almost all our viewers. <laughs> Man, where are you guys going? Hey, we still got more of the show to go. See, stick around. Yeah, but you get it for five dollars. <laughs> we got 10, we got 20 tears. See, you should go up. See, who knows what you get with the 20? Man, no, I'm done. What you, I have a quick question for you though too, you see. Hey. Uh, but you know, I have a quick. <laughs> but no, I have a quick question for you. You know how I told you time passes in this film and doesn't illustrate how long it's been. Are you okay with that, or do you like not knowing how much the time frame has actually passed? I am a modern woman, John, and I okay. am so used to movies spoon feeding me twenty me years. Too. Five years later, but I guess guess my theory to that would be they're just telling you in in this lifestyle, you're in the moment, like it's moment by moment. They don't go into like five years later, (laughs) five years. Thank you, Rossi. (laughs) Rossi, yeah, how you doing, sweetheart? Yeah, yeah, you're calling me funny. Am I funny, got to you? Am I funny, funny, am I funny to you? I can't do jokes. Go for a smoke. What are you trying to say? I'm funny. You trying to say I'm funny? Funny how? Funny like ha ha. Funny like he he. Like I'm a clown. Like I'm a am I clown. clown? <laughs> Man, what are you trying to say? Okay, okay, okay. That, okay. Um, right. So the theory, yeah, that time yeah. that it's in the moment. Like if you're in this lifestyle, you're in the moment. Like there is no. Five, you're not concerning yourself with five years later. You're like, this is the moment. 
I got to take this guy out. I got to do this now because you know, your lifespan is very short. So that's right. just my theory. But well, it would be nice to have like three years later for the audience. Right, exactly. But some time passes again. And so, and this time Rico has continued to take care of himself. It's here in his gun with essential results. The And then get this, Rico is in a mansion similar to an appliance of big boys with a fancy tie clip and a ring like the one that he once admired by Pete Montana. Joe is invited over and Rico tries to convince him to come back to the gang, offering him a partner position on the north side. Joe refuses and Rico is hurt. He refuses Joe of going soft and blames Olga uh, threatening her life. So that just goes to show you how much of a loose cannon Rico actually is. Joe yeah. says no because he doesn't want to be part of that lifestyle, and he's even offering him the east part of the town, having his own crew and everything. Mm-hmm. And you know that's something else. And you know now he's threatening his girlfriend. Mm. Rico is now threatening Olga mm. and everything. If I was now, here's the thing: if the if this guy, I don't care if he's gangster or not, if he was threatening the person that I was with. I would mm-hmm. be all over him. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. You know, but Joe has no kahunas. He's not, he does, he's ballless, if you actually think about it. Because mm-hmm. he's afraid of the guy. That's why Rico thinks that he can get over on him and everything. Yeah. Well, he actually yeah. can because he's showing Olga, him. Get this Olga has more balls than Joe does. And I'm actually mm-hmm. surprised. And if, if this was a 2021 type of world setting, that girl would have been out the door. Yeah. And everything that girl would not have stayed there with Joe mm-hmm. she, because girl wants masculinity. He doesn't show any masculinity at all mm-hmm. or anything like that. Olga is the one who wants to actually help Joe. Joe does not want to help himself. Mm-hmm. And she would have been out that he would have been out that door and everything so quick and everything. Olga would have been would have been over with. It would be interesting to see if they remade this in a modern, like, 2021, how would they do the character of Olga? Like, would they go according to this script? Or would they have her be a little bit more... I don't know. What do you think? To be honest with you, we've been seeing a lot of changes whenever it comes to women actresses in the film industry, where they actually give them tough roles. To mm-hmm. where they're not the dazzle and distress. And a matter of fact, I'm actually happy that they didn't do the dazzle and distress with Olga. Olga actually stands up for Joe. She stands up to Rico and everything. And that's actually different because in the 90s and everything was always about the dazzle and distress, right? Yeah. But, you know, in this world that we live in now, there's layers to these female actresses and everything to the point where it's like a strong actress as a strong character to the point where it's like you know what i don't need rico i don't i mean i don't need joe i don't need him or anything like that like i thought i needed him i can walk out anytime that mm-hmm. and everything and if he doesn't show that he is masculine against this guy or anything like that i'm gonna be out that door and then yeah. he's gonna be on his own facing the troubles with rico so that's what i think that would actually happen i think that she would have actually been out the door yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's hard to find uh, men in this society with backbones um, like Olga. <laughs> and another thing, though, too, is Rico, I have to agree with Rico, though. I have to agree yeah. with Rico on this. Rico claims that Joe is going soft and he blames Olga for it. But no, Joe was soft even before he met up with Olga. But I yeah. blame. Joe for being soft and he is and Rico is right in that aspect. Yeah, yeah. He he's very afraid. I'm surprised he lasts this long in this type of lifestyle. Um right. But yeah. I mean uh yeah. Poor <laughs> Joe. <laughs> All he wants to do is be a dancer. He's he's tired of killing female shot that guy like you know five years ago. But he just wants to be a dancer. Okay. He wants to be on Dancing with the Stars. You know, he just wants to live his life. 
That's all he wants to do. He just wants to dance. All I want to do is dance. I may have killed that guy three years ago, but don't look at that. Look at now. This is me now. I'm a dancer. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a dancer. Yeah. I'm a dancer. I saw. But yeah. Yeah. yeah but Joe also declares that he loves her, and Rico becomes hysterical, uh, threatening them both. They are interrupted by a call from big boy rico assumes that his boss that joe will be his partner while joe flips out the back and runs to olga's apartment <laughs> she calls the police <laughs> and rico and his right hand man burst in you see that goes to show you how much of a wuss he actually is mm. he, he doesn't go in there to confront him or anything like that he sneaks out the back to where her apartment is endangering her and everything. <laughs> Joe just cares about himself and dancing. That's, That's all, all he cares about in this world. Now, do you think Rico is jealous of their relationship, though? Well, that he at the very have beginning. Type of well, if you remember in the very beginning of the film, mm -hmm. Joe was actually talking to him about women and everything, and about his goals and what he wants, what his end game is, what Joe's end game is. Rico, on the other hand, his end game was being a gangster. Mm. And that was it. And he even told yeah. him, he goes, you don't need a woman in your life. Mm. Or anything like that. And I don't think he I don't think he wants what he has. Uh, his life is the gangster life. Mm. And that's it. That's all he wants. He wants to be a gangster. Because I don't think it has anything to do with the jealousy thing or anything like that. He just wants his friend that he knew from back then before he got with Olga. To uh, be in okay. that lifestyle. And because mm -hmm. of the fact that he can't be in that lifestyle, he chooses not to be in that lifestyle, it makes him pissed off and everything to the point where, okay, well, if you can't be in this lifestyle or anything like that, I'm probably just going to take you out. Mm -hmm. But at that point, though, whenever he's actually faced with the choice of pulling that trigger on Joe, he doesn't. And then even his henchman calls him yellow mm. for not pulling the trigger. Mm. But I'm thinking this. The reason why Rico doesn't do that is because of the close friendship that they actually have together. And all everything they went through together. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like so, uh, Captain America with Bucky. It was right. like, Kill no, he's my friend. And then Tony's like, but I am too. And he's like, Shut up, bitch. Pow. You know, that's the edit. Right. <laughs> John, right. I thought yeah. you were my friend. I, <laughs> I thought you were my friend. Exactly how it went. Shut up, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, that, like I said, uh, then, but Rico deflects the aim and, is, and hits Joe in the arm. Joe does get wounded. Yeah. The police arrive, and Rico and his men flee. Olga tr tells the police that Joe will testify. Once again, Olga's telling them what Joe's going to do, even though Joe didn't say he was going to testify. Mm -mm. It's Olga yeah. that's saying that Joe is going to testify. So mm. th that's what I have in my notes. But anyways, <laughs> uh, we'll testify in that he deserves um, the detective sends the men after the gang, Rico's right-hand man is killed, but he escapes. Rico reflects. This is what I get for looking out, uh, liking, well, this is what he says. He goes, this is what I get for liking a guy too much. Rico hides in the house of an old woman. <laughs> so Rico is now a wuss. Yeah. Because now he's hiding. Because he's not this big masculine guy either that he was actually pursu pursu um, pursuing either. So now he's cut down to size. He's cut down back to his regular height <laughs> and everything. Wow. If you, and so she hides him out. And, you know, an old woman who cuts a hard deal. And out of the 10 grand that Rico has, she only gives him $150. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm like, what? That's, yeah. <laughs> Right. But yeah, it just goes to show you that he was desperate 
And he knew if he didn't give her that 10 grand, that she would actually run off. So therefore, all he gets is 150 bucks out of it. And that's actually something that Rico got pissed off about, too, was the fact that he only got $150 out of a $10,000 job that he did. That would be pissed, too. <laughs> right. <laughs> but more time passes, and another card re reads, months passed. Rico's career had been a like a skyrocket. Starting from the regular, from the gutter, and returning back there. So it's kind of like that old classic song. I've been from rags to riches. Yeah. And back and now, to Yep. Mm -hmm. So, and then he stayed, he has started drinking and is sleeping in a 15 cent a night flop house. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, we went from 39 cent to 15. Well, I was speculating, <laughs> but I had to go back into my notes. That, okay. <laughs> I ended up increasing the price. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, that's too fancy for him. 39 cents. Right. So it's actually 15 cents. I'm sorry that I got the price wrong. Oh but, man, that's worse. Yeah, that's way worse. Because they're on cots. They're not even in a regular bed. They're in this big oh. huge ass room. Not only that, but if you have like you said, the Great Depression. Yeah. So therefore, they have to share this big, huge empty room on cots. Mm -hmm. And then, no, and I love the scene with the man who's actually talking shit about Rico, and Rico's right there, because you know we read tabloids all the time, we read newspapers yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But what's funny is Rico's sitting right there. These men are actually talking about him and everything in the newspaper, speculating about him, and here he is sitting there, and, he, and Rico's just getting pissed off, more pissed off at, at them. Yeah, and yeah, stuff like that, and takes the newspaper away from them. It's amazing how far, like, he thought that he was a nobody. Right. <laughs> and, you know, he thought he became a somebody in this in this lifestyle. And then it, it's like a, like they say, it's a rocket. Like, you go up really fast, and then it just shoots back down. And right. he's in a 15-cent hotel, probably eating one cracker. Stealing from the rat. Not even, a, not even a whole cracker, just a half a cracker. Yeah, because the rat, the rat took the other half of the cracker. So you got to share right. with the rat. And then his being laughing at him, like, you used to be a somebody, but you're a nobody. Like, I I can't imagine how, how, if I was him, how I would feel that shame, you know, of right. I thought that I was. I thought that I was a somebody like putting so much into um, just positions and roles. And I want to be this, I want to be that and attaching that to this is, this defines me, but you know, he didn't have to do that, but I, no. I don't know. That's, that's a different, like great depression. That's, that's a different mentality. Yeah, that is older now, I can't really judge too harshly, but I am judging. <laughs> <laughs> well, get this though the other uh transits at the house read aloud a newspaper, like I said, and it was insults Rico. He is visibly pained and calls get this he vi uh, visibly uh pained and calls the police who promptly have. The call traced. They find him walking down a deserted street, and the detective shoots through a billboard. And ironically, of Joe and Olga's new dance routine, killing Rico. Mm. <laughs> so he's actually killed behind yeah. a billboard. Imagine mm. this: built behind a billboard that your friend is on. Yeah. Of Olga and him, which I find ironically, you know, just paint the picture a little bit. Mm-hmm. That. Wow. Rico got his dream, which killed him. Mm. And meanwhile, you have Joe and Olga, who's living their dream in the high life. Mm. Wow. That's what I was symbolizing. That's what it That's seemed like up. to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's, it's really messed up. Wow. But, you know, going back to the beginning, live by the sword, you will perish by the sword. So right. he chased that dream all the way to his grave. 
and you saw the the trend, the progression, like him going from working class Joe, gangster, countertop muscle to 15 cent hotel to being <laughs> shot like a dog <laughs> behind a billboard of his friend living their dream. Exactly. Like, I, that's something like who wants to go out like that? Most gangsters want to go out in a blaze of glory, you right. know, so the name can be remembered and etched in stone. You know, like I want to be like Capone, I want to be like Gotti, I want to be like this. Like nobody wants to be like Rico. No, who wants to die and, that way? <laughs> and Rico actually died cowardly. Yeah, he, even, he was outnumbered by the cops. The cops had a Tommy gun. As well, so I mean, what are you gonna do? I mean, <laughs> I, I, I mean, just get your own Tommy gun and be like, oh well, here we go. Da, 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 know, da, da, I was actually expecting Rico to have some kind of fight, but it's like, you know what? I'm done hiding. I have nothing. I have nothing to show for what I did. All my money is with that old woman now. <laughs> All I have is this hundred fifty dollars that isn't really much of anything. So. It's very sad, but cautionary tale. I I do believe that yeah, these films were for entertainment, and but they also reflect a, a cautionary tale. Like you know, if you want to be in this lifestyle, it's a very short lifespan you will have, and the things you think that others have that you want to possess is you know. You you don't need it, right? So, would you say that you would actually see a remake of this, or would you say it's fine yeah, the way it I'm is? I'm curious to see a remake of it. I don't okay. know who could play Rico. Um, who do you think? Do you have any names in mind? Back in the day, I would say Joe Pesci, but not anymore. Yeah, I would no. actually. I would actually have to go with. <laughs> Well, Game of Thrones, I would have to go with Peter Dicklich. For Rico? Yeah, for Rico. <laughs> hey, not that short. <laughs> no, but I mean, his acting level. His acting ability uh-huh, and everything. Yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> because if you actually think about it, in the X-Men Days of Future Past, that role he has, it would actually, it wouldn't have been for a tall person or anything. It would actually have been more for a tall person. And stuff like that. But they actually thought outside the box and made a script for Peter, and it actually worked. So I'm thinking along those lines okay. of the fact that I think that Peter would actually be perfect for this role, even though it's made for somebody maybe a little bit taller than he is, but I think it would actually work in his favor because of his acting ability can actually make him 10 times, can actually make him a lot more taller than what he actually is because of his acting ability. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. We'll see. Tara said nothing to his name and eating half a cracker and sharing it with the rat. Sounds like a nightmare. That's what I'm talking about. And don't nope. forget 15 cent hotel. And the hundred and fifty dollars that <laughs> man, I'm telling you, but who that like way to go. Play? <laughs> huh? Who would you like to see uh, play as Rico? Because I actually have another person that I actually have in mind, and he played Al Capone in Boardwalk Empire, and that's Stephen Green. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems like a hothead. He seems like he could play. Uh, Rico as well. You know, it's it's not that many actors that come to mind that has such a depth of range and intense emotion. So it's it's kind of difficult for me, really, to come up with a name, which is sad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, another reason why I mentioned Stephen Green is because of the fact that he also played in The Irishman and everything because he was (laughs) actually... Going through the rounds of the gangster movie. (laughs) I'm just thinking because, okay... Did you ever see him, uh, The Irishman, or no? Yeah, yeah, with Robert De Niro. Yeah. Yeah. Did you remember the scene where he was actually late for the meeting? He was on flip-flops. 
It was it was taking place oh, in Florida. No, I don't, but I have to go back and see that. <laughs> that thing was so hilarious. It was pissing uh Robert uh Al Pacino's character off in so many ways. Like he goes, well, What also, the fuck? He was like, Yeah, also too, like in Boardwalk Empire where he did play Capone, you can right. like I'm thinking about it, you can see a Rico aspect to it. Because he right. was like a, a low-level gangster, you know, and he would always challenge. I don't know who I forgot the the character's name now. Who was over Capone? But he would challenge his authority, and he would right. do all these silly things. And the guy had to just reprimand him like a little schoolboy. So right. I could see some of those um aspects in it. Sorry about that. I can okay. see some aspects, and I'm not playing um was that Sonic. Yeah, I'm not playing it. <laughs> okay. So that's pretty much the, everything that we wanted to talk about and everything for as far as the show goes. If you guys want to, this is actually part of our Patreon and everything. Go ahead and click the link below. You guys can actually sign up for the Patreon and stuff like that. We have a $5 tier, a $10 tier, and a $20 tier. Go ahead and check that out. Also, too, guys, if you guys want to, if you guys don't have to, but if you want to go ahead and donate to the show, go on ahead, go to the GoFundMe uh, link below. Also, too, we also have a movie uh, website as well for all your entertainment needs and wants. It's called www.movieloversunite.com. We also have a Pinterest as well called Movie Lovers TV Lovers Unite. We're also sponsored by Audible. If you want your 30 day trial on us, go on ahead, click the link below and everything. Sign up for that 30 day trial. Then we also have a Twitter page called www. Well, it's actually called Twitter, but it's actually it's called movie lovers. It's called Movie Lovers Unit, and everything, which is supposed to be called Movie Lovers Unite. And so yeah. we actually have that. Then, of course, you know, you guys can follow me at Movie Lover John DiGorio Eight, and that's pretty much everywhere that you guys can actually look at me for. And also, too, if you guys want to go on ahead, listen to this podcast wherever your podcasts are at. It's been great. It's been fun. And thank you again to Mika for being on the show. Thank and always you. until next time, guys. You're very welcome. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.